a lot of pressure, a lot of talk. So now we are in the final Three, two, one, here we go from the Plain Normal Esports Studio. This is Pod BN. I am Tyson. I'm Jeremy. Jeremy Kelly is joining me today. He's going to co-host this show uh, since Justin was unavailable. So thanks for filling in here, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. And uh, today we're going to talk to Stan Nord of the Normal Town Council. But before we get to that, I want to thank, as always, our sponsor, Play Normal Esports and Normal Gadgets. They're over on 802 South, Alder- South Eldorado Road over by the Monocles. And uh, check out the Play Normal Esports website for pricing and other information. They've got events and specials almost every day. One thing that caught my eye today is every Thursday they have a student night. So if you have a balanced student ID... Sorry, a valid student ID, K through 12. Um, you can play for one hour for only five bucks, or three hours for ten dollars. So if there's some game that you're thinking about purchasing or wanting to try out, five dollars can give you an hour to experiment with that here over in Play Normal Esports. And with that, I will welcome Stan. Hi, Stan. Hi. Hey. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on, talking to us. Wanted to bring you on because when uh, we talked to you over. Uh, Last year, when we were running for office, um, could tell that you were definitely wanting to come in and do some things a little different than normal, and um, had a different vision for how things would go. And so, now that you've been in for um, a little over a year now, wanted to check in too to try to see. Like, I guess the first question I had: How uh, is being on council? What you thought it was going to be? What's been what's been uh, surprising to you about it? Um, we're not quite at the year mark, but we'll be there here before too long. Oh, it's true. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, either way, it's pretty close. As far as what I thought going into it, I knew I was kind of challenging the status quo. So my expectations weren't that it was going to be all roses. Um, <clears throat> but I was grounded knowing that it may be a year or two before any changes that I would love to see can really happen. So I kind of have, so I kind of realize that going in um, as far as how that's gone. You know, there's been, oh, you know, conflict, there's been differences of opinions, I would say. <clears throat> and it's trying to figure out um, how to navigate that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm fairly passionate about Bloomington and normal. Um, the re- one of the big reasons I ran is because I want my kids to come back here. You know, I talk to so many people that say when my kids graduate college, they're not coming back to Illinois. You know, I want my kids to come back here because I, this is the most comfortable place in the world for me. You know, we've been here, for, or my family's been here for five, five generations maybe. So if we move, it's going to be five generations from my great, 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 great grandkids feel as comfortable there as I feel here. And Jeremy, I know yeah. you've got a long history here too. Yeah, exactly. You know, so as bad as Illinois gets, we're probably the people that are going to stick it out because there's so much to Illinois that keeps us here. You know, it's our family, as yep. bad as it gets, you know, it's not everything's not about money. <clears throat> and, you know, that's why I kind of get more heated than I probably should. Yeah. So what are some, when you're talking about that, what are some things that come to mind, especially in the, the town of Normal, that um, 
I mean, I'm not asking you to restate your, your campaign, I guess. Yeah. But now that you're, you know, as a council member from your view of the situation, um, what are some opportunities we have for improving that? Um, one of the big ones <clears throat> is like debt. Okay. We, this is state, local, national issue, but really in my position, I can only really focus on the local. That's, that's the area of control that I've been elected to. Mm-hmm. So um, we've got so much debt for things that we're building for our generation to consume. We're not paying for all this. The debt schedule pushes out so our kids, our grandkids pay for our consumption. Whenever they're old enough to really start earning an income, the things we've built today, those are going to be old. You know, so now we're committing them. Is I don't hear anybody on the council representing, you know, the unborn generation that's going to have to pay for all this. Whenever we were young, Jeremy, you remember Normal used to brag about having zero debt. If we needed to buy a fire truck, we paid cash. You know, we just never did that. And then <clears throat> now we've got 90 some or almost $90 million in debt. Mm-hmm. And if we plan to keep increasing debt, you know, how many generations back are we going to have pay for the things we're consuming? And that's $90 million <clears throat> compared to, is it like $150 million? The annual budget of normal. I haven't looked in a while. Um, it's Ballpark. right around a hundred million. So 100 million. it's okay. slightly over that. So it's about like one. It's approximately one year's complete. Yeah. If revenue. we don't spend any money on anything and just put it all towards debt, mm-hmm. you know, that's paying no salaries, no garbage pickup, no anything. Huh. You know, and that's kind of what's got Illinois in trouble as well. Yeah. <laughs> and is that all from uptown? Then was that where all that came from? It's not all from Uptown, but the majority of it is from Uptown. Mm-hmm. And they're planning on, or they would like to do more in Uptown. And the way that I look at it is, is if business isn't coming in and investing to do this, you know, then why are we having taxpayers do it? You know, if a business wants to gamble, then fine, because if they lose, they pay for it. But for a business enterprise, if government does it, you know, win or lose, taxpayers are paying for it. Mm-hmm. So do you have like two or three areas where you're like, hey, if we just did this tomorrow or here in the next year, we, we take care of X, Y, and Z, could knock some of that out? I mean, is, is there, I know you've identified some of the smaller things. It's from listening to the council, you know, kind of, hey, we need to do this incremental stuff. But are there big areas that we can attack? Um, you mean for, like, saving money? It, well, saving money or attacking the debt, knocking some of this debt down. Um, well, the way that I look at it is there's only really two ways to knock the debt down. Stop accruing more, because then we're just going to gradually pay it down, or um, tax people more and put that towards the debt. I don't want to go with either of those options, so what I'd rather do is tax people the same <clears throat> To have the town spend less, and then we can push more of that towards the debt. You know, and would I love normal to have this fantastic uptown and all these new structures and all these new, all these new things? Of course I would. You know, that would be fantastic to have all these cool things. But the reality is that somebody's got to pay for it. You know, at some point, um, our financial situation isn't one where we're flush with cash. Hopefully, the economy changes, and you know, businesses will come in, and then we get to the point like we were. You know a couple decades ago where we were in that position, you know, and then we can pick these building projects up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was definitely your perspective as a candidate and nothing you've experienced since being in office has, has changed that perspective, I guess, it sounds like. So. Um, 
no, I mean, that's still what I want. Um, mm-hmm. As far as it actually being accomplished, I think that is harder than what I thought it would be. I mean, things that I would just think nobody would complain about that would be easy to do, like simply saving money when we're buying municipal street signs. You know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but we spend about 60 grand a year on street signs. So if we can find savings or we can, say, buy those for 40% less, the exact same thing, I would think that would be something easy, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And... You know, there's been other things like that, like, say, power consumptions or power consumption. If it's just simply replacing light bulbs, you know, it's pretty common knowledge. If you replace light bulbs, you can save power, which then saves money. But those are hard things to actually get accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was probably the most surprising part. Yeah. Have you guys done, you've done the budget meeting now at this point? Because I, I know when you first came in, you were suggesting some of these, and it was, well, the previous council had already done a budget meeting, and we kind of plotted that out for a year, right? And so now you've been through that cycle, right? Yes. You're, so do you feel like now you, you've been able to impact that or no. or, or going forward, kind of identifying some new directions or, or um, places to save money like you just mentioned? I would say impact by me pointing things out, mm-hmm. hopefully, but the budget meeting does not set um, those small details into place. Um, for example, the budget meeting, we're just allocating so much money for different areas of the budget. Okay. The way that I view a budget is throughout the year, and this is at my, at my kitchen table as well, <clears throat> throughout the year, if you have the opportunity to save money, you should be able to take that opportunity anytime throughout the year. You don't have to wait till the next budget cycle. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. And because you can't predict, you know, you might lose your job you know you may have some unexpected bills come in or you know you may get a windfall and you know you get a raise or something happens you know your budget should be flexible you plan for the worst hope for the best but so is that perceived when you offer those suggestions is the friction from um from staff like that's kind of they view that as their responsibility to manage their own department and their own detail of their budget, that that's too in the weeds for a council member? Is that, is that what kind of where the... That's, that's the feeling that I get, mm-hmm. but it totally is. You know, a council member should not be down in the details doing that. But when I first bring things up, I may bring them up at a high level that nobody sees. You know, I just talk with, you know, the folks I'm supposed to be talking to, not the actual staff. And then when I get resistance and say, no, you know, we like the people we deal with, something that's not like, hey, you know, we will go out and do some competitive pricing or, you know, thank you for finding this because it's going to save taxpayers. Mm-hmm. When I get the resistance, me being, you know, a natural conservationist, you know, you save water, you save, you know, you save everything. Whenever you're doing a project, you try and minimize the number of steps you're going to do it, you know. So whenever I get that uh, that uh, resistance, to me, that's a challenge that I want to show, no, really, it can be done. And so I will go out, and this is probably where I go too far, maybe, is I'll go out and do the competitive bids. If the town says, no, we're not going to do it, then I'll go out and do it. And then I'll bring them the report and say, look, here, here's what I found. Mm-hmm. And that's where then I clash because now I'm going from a policy setter 
you know, that's what the council's supposed to do is set policy to give to the town manager for her to, or him, to um, give to the staff to then execute. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm, I, I am going further than I should be going, but the reality is if they're not going to try and save taxpayers money, and they say it's not possible, then I will try and find a way to show you that it is possible. Mm-hmm. Well, so my mind's been sitting here going, for the average citizen, I think they, they probably feel like the council is the one that, that's setting the big picture or maybe setting the budget. Obviously, town managers and them are coming in doing the pieces, right, the, the in-the-weeds stuff, like you said. But that you as a council member or the mayor or whatever, that, that body collectively kind of sets the direction. It sounds like you're saying it... You're, you're able to set the policy, but you don't have as much impact on the budget, um, big items, if you will, as you as you felt. And so I don't know that many people would – I think most people would think that the council has that, but it sounds like it's it's more within staff no. is, what, is what you're saying. <clears throat> yes. For this last budget, which is the first budget that I've ever gone through, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we had in December – we had, as a council, we got together in a work group and we talked about setting priorities for these big, big projects and the big ticket items. So we, there was a whole bunch of them and we set priorities and some made the list, others did not make the list. Well, then we just had this budget meeting. Well, the staff in November had put together this budget meeting, so, or this budget before we had our priority setting meeting and we're presented a budget that was built before we even set the priorities. So I was kind of thrown off. It was like, well, what's the point of us having this priority setting meeting if the budget doesn't reflect that? Um, And I still today, that bothers me because our input was not used for this budget. Mm -hmm. You know, now the priorities that they made it upon was probably the previous council. But it shouldn't be a year lag between a new council coming in and their input having an impact on the next budget. Yeah, especially uh, especially in an election where you know, with uh, with you and Karen Smith being elected, um, you know, it showed at least from my read on it from the electorate is an appetite for the change candidates to come in, and so in in particular in this year, I would think that. A refreshing of the priorities would be in order <laughs> to kind of see if that you know reflect that. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, so so it's kind of sitting here listening and going back to my previous question. Like, I, I think the average person on the street doesn't know. Let's take an issue like Connect Transit, for example. Uh, a lot of people talking about that. A lot of flare up, hit the news. A lot of opinions, right? Um, and there was kind of this dynamic of, well, is that a Connect Transit issue? Or is it a council issue because council contributes to Connect Transit? And, and so, yeah, maybe it's a Connect Transit and that board needs to do something, but not saying they are. What what if people feel that the board's not doing the right direction or that they're out of step with the public? At what point do you as a council member step in and say, hey, we need to make a change? But based on what you're saying, it, it's not just you as a council member. There's also town staff. There, there's there's multiple layers. So kind of um, where, where does that decision-making kind of fall on, if that makes sense. Sure. The way that the way that normal's government is set up is you've got the town council. Okay, The town council is the six council members and the mayor. 
we each have a vote <clears throat> and we set policy. So um, it's all based on um, whoever has the majority. So if we want to make a change to Connect Transit or whatever the issue, we need to have a majority of the council vote in favor to make a change. And that's what it boils down to. Otherwise, the policy and the direction has been made in the past, and so everyone's got their marching orders as to here's the direction we're going. So, you know, the council has to step up and say, hey, we are going to change direction. Otherwise, you know, the staff has their mandate to go this direction. Okay, Does that so make sense? I, yeah, yeah. So I used to connect transit, and that's that's a little more complicated because there's an outside agency, outside group. It, so let's take an issue like the, the Uptown Circle or, or One Normal Plaza or something like that that is completely in you guys' wheelhouse. Same same sort of thing? or It's the exact same sort of thing because they had the marching order to, say, occupy that second floor. That was approved until the council comes together and a majority says we're going to change we are we are going to go a different direction. The staff doesn't have a directive to go a different direction. So so I can completely appreciate being in like oh working in government and you've got a direction to go a particular way and then a new boss or new somebody was 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 elected or hired into a position and they want to change things. You know, it's tough because, like in government, you've got the political pendulum swinging. You know, there's a huge cycle. You know, we've been, it's swung one way for a long time. <clears throat> now, if it's starting to swing the other way, eh, there's a whole lot of change that has to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's not it's, even a new boss, it's a new partial boss. Right? A new partial boss, yeah, because <laughs> it, is, it is a majority of the council has to be behind it. It's not who's got the loudest voice, you know, who's whatever. It is the majority. It comes down to a vote. Yeah. So there's that, there is there is that tension. And having like a mixed council where some people want to go one way, some people go in the other way, I am not jealous of the, of, of the town manager that has to decide how do I put all these competing oh, views together into one? Mm-hmm. Because that's a challenging position to be in, you know. I mean, I could—that's very challenging, and that's a—and that's a unique, um, well, that's a unique challenge that I'm glad I don't have to deal with. <laughs> so, so what's interesting though is it's—I understand the the council as a policy-setting body, but then the council also approves bill payments and land purchases and transacts business. And putting myself in your seat. If I got to get up and say that I approve bill payments, for example, um, me to personally and professionally, I feel like I may I should be able to. I, what does it mean to sign off on something if you don't really have control over it? I guess <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's weird. So, so I felt like that during my first couple council meetings because that's exactly what I thought I was doing. Mm -hmm. But whenever we're approving the expenses, we're not approving the expenses. The only thing we are doing is approving that they had happened. Okay. Which, if you go back into the council meetings, you'll see that I questioned the vote that we're taking because I'm not approving something. Yeah. I, I am not going to approve something that I have no input in because that would just be me rubber stamping. Mm -hmm. You know, if these expenses already happened and they've already been paid and everything, then why are you asking me to approve something? And they tweaked 
the vote that we're taking, or at least the text on it, to be that we're just approving to record. Oh, so you're like entering them into the public record that, yeah. that happened. Yes, they occurred. That they happened. You okay. know, now I have the opportunity, and every taxpayer has the opportunity to ask a question why did we spend this money here? But if we already spent the money, there's no way to like ask to give us the money back. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that does help. Um, it, it's it's one of many questions that I've had, and, and I think your time on council has brought some of these to light about what the actual powers and responsibilities of the council are. Um, and I, I'm sure that I'm sure that for people who've been doing it for a while, you asking that question seems annoying or nitpicky. But if you're new and, you, and you're being asked to do something and it doesn't make sense to you, then I think you should ask about it. And it sounded like there was a change in a clarification based on that. Yeah, and there's been other votes that have come before where they said that if we vote no, that there's some ramification for it or that we can't vote no. What's an example? Like one example was there was a... Um, it was a zoning thing. Somebody had come a council meeting before, and oh, it was the um, Blackstone Trails development that was approved before I came on council. But then the developer had to come back for some other approval. It was just part of the process, and um, we were supposed to just vote yes again because the previous council had voted yes. So my question was, you know, if this is coming back. What happens if we vote no because it's a different council? Mm-hmm. You know, and there was going to be this potential for a, a legal issue and things like that. So uh, I think there probably should be some policy change so that way we don't put the town in a situation like that. You know, if something is going to get approved, it needs to be approved then and there. And that way, if the council switches, we don't now put the town in legal hot water because now there's been a difference of opinion. Does mm-hmm. that kind of make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it does. Because yeah. um, I don't want to rubber stamp. You know, if I look at something, I want to have complete autonomy to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me, I used to have a job where people I was responsible for would produce these very lengthy reports that I had to sign. And I remember getting them and, th- you know, it'd be like a 70-page report and analysis of a statistical model, and I'd have to sign it. And it's, n- it's not something that you want to spend your time, you know. <laughs> it's not an enjoyable read. And I sat there, and I was like, is there any way I can get comfortable with signing this without reading this darn thing? And I was like, I just, I can't. I have to read it. And so I went through and read it all, made sure I knew what was in it, signed it. It took me several hours, but it... It strikes me as a very similar position that one would find themselves in on council. It's like, you know, how someone gives me something and says, hey, here, here, you're on this body. You have to sign this. You have to approve it. It it's, makes you uncomfortable, right? Oh, it absolutely <laughs> does because I know that I'm going to be judged on my voting record. Nobody's going to look back and say, hey, you voted yes to raise this tax um, and look to see the reason I gave why I said yes. It's just going to come out that I voted to raise the tax, mm-hmm. you know, so... You know, my word is my bond, and basically my vote is my, well, is how I'm going to be graded. Yeah, appreciate that. 
Well, you, t- you touched on something there, Ghost on Area, that I wanted to ask you about, um, and that's more how do you get the word out or communication. I think you've taken a different approach or, or been a lot more visible than, than many predecessors on social media, for example, doing the Facebook Lives or the explanations. Um, is that working? Do you, do you think that that's an effective way to communicate uh, to your people? Are you getting a lot of back-and-forth response from that, or, or kind of what's your experience been? Um, you know, I've been in the business world for a long time. So marketing and getting the word out for whatever widget you're selling or service you're offering is just ingrained in me because if you don't get the word out, nobody's going to know know what you're selling or anything. So I don't know that it was intentional to focus on doing it through Facebook, but the reality is that's where people are at. You know, everybody's reading their phone. They're not They're not using the other mediums as much anymore. So, you know, it's somewhat natural. Um, is it effective? Um, I don't know. You know, effectiveness for me is results. You know, having a bunch of people following me or calling me up kind of makes me feel good. But it's, at, at the end of the day, if the vote's not going the direction that I want it to go to help taxpayers, then personally I don't feel like I'm effective. Okay. Does that make but, sense? Yeah, but you are having a lot more interaction, or at least it appears from the outside as I kind of look at stuff. It seems that there's a lot more interaction, and maybe it's just playing out publicly where some others get it privately or whatnot. But, uh, yeah. you, you know, compared to others, like you use the traditional um, a news media source, somebody reads a paper article or something, that they get that viewpoint, they get to site, but they're not interacting with you as yeah. much. You probably don't get as many phone calls or as many emails from that, whereas social media, you're getting that direct yeah, Direct yeah. back and forth. Yeah, and I actually ran because I wanted to represent the people. You know, I watched at the town council where there were groups that came in or there were petitions that came in, and they were just completely, well, I wouldn't say ignored, but they went completely the opposite direction. You know, so there's perspectives that were not being represented there. You know, when the vote goes unanimous and you've got a huge group of people wanting it to go the other way, at least somebody should be voting the other direction. And... Um, you know, I want to make sure that the public knows my perspective so that way there's no question as to what does Stan think. Because when you let someone else interpret what you think, they're going to interpret it a different way. And, you know, I love the papers and the radio and, you know, all these other mediums because they get the information out. But they're writing an article. You know, they are the ones choosing the words to include and, you know, it could be twisted. You know, it's like if you play the game telephone, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of what it is. And I want to make sure that I can say how I feel about a particular issue. Yeah. Well, to the point of, you know, getting the word out and hearing details about what you're doing, the place where I saw the dynamics between you and the other council members and um, city manager play out was on BLN News. Um, <laughs> and I didn't see any coverage of those kind of back and forth in uh, in the main media. Um, is that something where, like, you were given Diane Benjamin, like, a heads up on that? Or is that, I know she FOIAs like crazy. Was she fighting that? Or, like, do you, do you kind of, like, chat with her about stuff to... Um, as part of your media circuit, I guess? I talk to as many reporters as I can, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Diane Benjamin is one of those. So, you know, I'll talk to people at the radio. I'll talk to everybody. Podcasts. Podcasts, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. getting the message out to the public is the most important thing. Yeah. So, you know, she FOIAs a lot. You know, I've realized that anything I write in email is going to be FOIAed. 
So okay, so it's at somebody. So if you, I don't mean I don't know that I need to be saying this, but you'll see that the number of emails that are now going back and forth between myself and pretty much, you know, I don't know about anyone, but my email counts have kind of gone down because there's some stuff that just shouldn't go out into mm-hmm. the public record. So I'm conscious of it now. You know, before. Not so much conscious that everything was going to get FOIA. Sure. Okay, that's interesting. Now, I, I do think but, it's good that everything is open to the public. You know that it costs the town a lot of money to share this. It's kind of a shame, but I do believe in openness and transparency. I would love if we had more open conversations at the town council level in the meeting, because that would then address a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's my always my um, my struggle with the FOIAs, and I, I go through it and I can't think of any other option, but it is expensive that any person, um, even someone who's not a citizen of the, you know, in the jurisdiction can FOIA, you know, what they, whatever they want and run up the bill in that way. That seems like that's not quite right, but then, like, I don't know the other option, like, to not let people request information and to let things be done in secret on our dollar. Like, that's not good either, so... Um, no, you know, because I, the stuff that happens in secret is going to lead to corruption. Yeah. You know, and that's the whole reason that that um, um, FOIAs ever came about was because you wanted to combat things mm-hmm. being done in secret. Okay. So you do... Um, yeah, so that's interesting. So it, it, it maybe also another learning for you about the extent to which something that you write down, um, you know, again, just thinking with your thumbs, right? You're just communicating with someone, but surprising how much of that gets to be um, public information. Oh, yeah, because I can imagine, well, I guess I'll ask you guys to imagine. You probably wrote something two years ago that you emailed someone. You forgot completely all about it. Don't even remember what the topic was or anything. But mm-hmm. somebody can FOIA that, pull it up, and now expect you to remember that whole conversation from two years ago. Uh, you know, just like it was yesterday. That's 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 a challenge. Yeah, that's a tough bar to tough bar to meet. Yeah, I um, it's theoretically possible at work that things that we write get discovered, but the for, depending on most people, depending on where you work, it's pretty unlikely that it will uh, that your emails or tech or IM conversations will actually get pulled. But the fact that it is a possibility sometimes just um, gives me pause and leads me to go walk over and talk to somebody instead of putting something in writing. Not that there's anything to hide, but it's more that, like you said, if I, how could someone misconstrue this statement or? Could this be taken out of context and be damaging or look like we were trying to cover something up or something like that? So, um, interesting. So, just listening here, my mind goes to, so flip side, FOIA, you know, give open access, then the other side of the law is basically saying public comment, right? That the public can come in and talk. And and I know there's been talk around that. What's the public comment period and and all that? Um, I know know you voiced on that too, but um, yeah, I'm not a lawyer, but when I read everything, I look at it and say... Why is the normal policy that way? It seems like that's that's not exactly uh, what the attorney general and others would would say. Do you see that changing coming up? Um, I hope it changes. I've called for it to change several times mm-hmm. and haven't been successful. I think it's awful for the taxpayers that they don't have an opportunity to talk to their council people at a council meeting. There's been people that have gone to the Bloomington Council. And they will, in their public comment, say that they're talking about whatever it is and that they cannot talk about it 
in normal because normal doesn't allow it unless it's on the agenda. You know, I think that's awful. Like, for you guys, like, it's snow season right now. If the snow plow comes and keeps knocking your mailbox over, you guys might be pretty hot and you want to come talk to the town council about it. Well, in normal, you bring that issue up at the town council meeting. If it's not on the agenda, we're going to say, hey, you cannot talk about that because it's not on the agenda. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? Yeah. So where is that resistance coming from, I guess? is Well, there's been votes on mm-hmm. it. So my recommendation would be to go back in time and look at those votes. And whoever voted to keep public comment suppressed, that's your, that's your resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a way, I could almost see... If it was flipped, I could almost justify it because in Bloomington with the ward system, it's like, okay, well, you already have a dedicated person for your territory. You should go to your aldermen. You should talk to them. We don't need to bring every single little concern people have to public comment. I still think it's not aligned. When I did the um, Open Meetings Act training for Planning Commission, I immediately was like, well, that's not what normal does. Like, it's, it's right. right in there. Um, but, uh, but for normal to do it, it's not even like – there's somebody okay so you can't speak a public comment who you're supposed to go to you're supposed to email the entire council you're supposed to go to the mayor city manager like I, it's not even 100 percent clear and then you know say someone emails all six of you right but then all all of you think well, some one of the other five will respond and then no one gets back to the person right so it's it's a um yeah it, it surprises me that there's resistance it's, to doing that and to me it seems like and, and you fair point on where the vote's at but it seems to me that um, that could even be a staff call or somebody else making a change because if if there, I, I mean imagine again can't predict the future in my lawyer but I imagine if there's a lawsuit on this and it go eventually town or something is going to lose that battle so why not make the change why not again based on the training you said mm-hmm. I've looked at it you've looked at it it just doesn't seem aligned and um, if somebody wants to talk about Connect Transit or snow or whatever's going on, just because it's not on the agenda, I would think pr- pretty clear yeah. to me, as I read it, it seems like there, it should change. Yeah, and there have been people that have complained to the state about it, and they've filed the paperwork, and the town attorney has to has to reply back. And, you know, he's made a legal case as to why 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 it's legal for the town to not allow hmm. public comment to talk about anything that they want. Interesting. I'd hate to spend the money and go through a lawsuit and, and lose that. So, Well, but for the town, remember, the town employees, the town staff, they're going to get paid the same, you know, in their annual increases and their bonuses. So it doesn't matter how much money they spend, how much additional they spend for attorney fees or anything. Taxpayers are going to be on the hook for it. So, you know, that's... That's a dynamic you have to go through because if you're upset about that, you have to pay for your attorney. And if you live in normal, you're going to be paying for the, you know, for the town's attorney as well. Interesting. Yes. But I do find it funny that whenever you took your training, you thought, well, the training says this, but that's not what normal's doing. Yeah. (laughs) It's actually, I mean, like, it's pretty specifically in there. Like, it's not like I had to interpret things. It was like, you know. I mean, it's been a couple years now. I don't know the exact wording, but it was not hard to pick up. Yeah, and and we don't we don't have a lot of people coming in to talk. So, like Bloomington, they have the public comments set to so many minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, you can talk about anything, but you just 
the whole thing can't go by. I think you, it's 20 minutes. You can read green minutes. eggs and ham if you want to, like yeah. <laughs> years ago. You know, yeah. Everybody's got three minutes and then no more than 30, and I don't know why normal simply can't do that because yeah. the meeting's not going to go longer than that. And if there's still a lot of people, then sometimes they vote to extend it in Bloomington as well. Mm-hmm. If there's a hot topic like a, um, cannabis stuff, they voted to extend it to give more people time. That's in their ability to do. Um, so, yeah. We want to thank our sponsors, BRE Law. The BRE Law team has experience in a wide variety of personal injury cases. Regardless of how you were injured, they are prepared to get you the help you need. Car accidents, wrongful death, medical malpractice. Contact BRE Law, breinjurylaw.com. So we talked about outreach on social media. We're kind of bouncing all over the place here. Yeah, sorry. I just find your... Uh, you know, I just I just find your experiences to be interesting, so I appreciate you talking through them um, candidly with us. Uh, you talk about outreach on social media, and uh, so what other ways do you try to keep in touch with constituents and make sure that you're reflecting what people are wanting you to do? Um, I go to, you know, I mean, church. So I've got a big church family. Um, yesterday I was at another church that asked me to come in to do a, a proclamation. Um, I do a lot for Connect Transit. So following those work group meetings, I get a lot of phone calls. Um, I get businesses that reach out to me that say, don't use my name, but you know, here's some problems or some other folks that know far more about town finance and government that will say, hey, maybe you should look over here. So. I appreciate people do that um, people do that, and I try to keep their name out of it because I know that once I start saying somebody's name, they don't want to be involved. You know, they don't want retaliation or they don't want you know any any negative vibe coming because I'm looking at something mm-hmm. on their behalf or because they I don't know we're kind of like a whistleblower if you would say and say hey go look over here at this <clears throat> yeah. Do you get a fair amount of people just reaching out, contacting you? and Do you get uh, people recognizing you in the grocery store, that kind of stuff? Um, not as much as you would think. Not as much as you would think. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, my memory or of, like, high school and, like, all faces is back to what people looked like back then. Mm-hmm. So I'll run into people that, you know, I remember from high school, but, you know, now we're all older and they don't look the same. <laughs> and they're like, hey, we went to high school together. And it's like, you know, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we did. You know, and that I feel bad about because, I don't know, you know, my high school was 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 fairly large and to remember everyone's face and then to kind mm-hmm. of picture how everybody's aged I feel a little ashamed whenever it's like oh my land we had so many classes together and yeah get a little get a little touch of what it's like to be famous I guess that's well, a well I don't know about famous <laughs> local famous <laughs> yes but I do get a lot of people saying that uh, they do appreciate what I'm doing because honestly I'm doing this so my kids come back here you know I've got no desire to do anything else I love Bloomington and Normal equally. I want to see us build our relationships back. And, and I've got probably better relationships with, with, with folks on the Bloomington Council and Mayor than I do in Normal. 
Yeah, one time that stands out to me, and uh, if you're okay, let's talk Connect Transit a little bit. You said you've been following those working sessions, and you mentioned working with people in Bloomington. I remember you and uh, Jeff Crable doing a video um, pointing out the struggles of wheelchair access um, in some of the locations. So what's your take right now on the on Connect Transit? Where's your Where's your head kind of at, or where we the most changes needed? Sure. First, that um, that uh, wheelchair video that was the Orlando Northbrook area, which is in normal. Well, Jeff Craybell doesn't get the credit that he should. He's the one that set that up. Okay. You know, but it seems like people think that that was me, but that was that was Jeff. I was just invited. Um, but. Even, because out, of the even Facebook. though it's outside of his, uh, yeah, outside of his t- city. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, after after that video, if you drive by that bus stop in front of the ISU um, um, alumni center, that bus stop has been fixed. There's now concrete getting to the pad. You know, this isn't something that was announced, but that worked. And Jeff is in Bloomington. He saved that. A Bloomington council person saved that route for people in Normal. Now, Connect Transit. They were doing some other things that the public was not happy with. They were still having all these ADA issues and still pulling bus stops. Bloomington stepped up because Normal wouldn't. And they told Connect that they needed to, um, well, they, they passed a resolution telling Connect that they needed to answer to some things and gave them a timeline. So Bloomington is helping Normal more than I think people realize. Hmm. It's good to hear. Um, if people uh, wanted to go back and hear a little bit more about the board's thinking on that, we did interview Mike McCurdy um, several months back. You can go back, search back in the episodes and hear from him on that and about you know biking and public transportation. So, you know, there's the ADA issues, um, the accessibility issues with the bus stops. Um, there's also kind of the financial part is anything standing out to you that should be done in your view to help with the financial sustainability of it? Um, is it more routes? Is it less routes? Is it more funding coming from the governments or higher fees? Or you know? I think first we need to define who Connect Transit is supposed to be serving. Who is their top priority? You know, is it those that cannot afford a vehicle and those that simply cannot drive? Or is it people that can't afford to drive and simply choose not to? Mm. You know, are we building a system to get vehicles off the road or to help people get from A to B and then define who those people are? Because Connect has taken service away from several of our trailer parks and they've asked to have the service brought back. Connect will not do it. The Midwest Food Bank, you know, great organization. You know, they help so many people. They've got kids programs. There's volunteer opportunities for people to come there. They've asked for a bus stop. Connect has said no. So first we have to define who our bus system is going to support first before we worry about how we're going to spend the money. Because if they're not effective at serving the people that need it, then why would we throw more money at that? Yeah, and you feel like that's not... Do you feel like that's not clear from the board that they're trying to do both of those and uh, as such doing it ineffectively? Or do you feel like they are more focused on the choice riders, as they call them, people who who are doing transit by choice? Or do you feel like there just isn't a, quite a clear philosophy on that as articulated? Um, it's not been clearly defined, but Connect clearly shows when they take service away from our trailer parks 
and refuses to take it to you know some of the needy areas mm-hmm. and our ADA community has been <clears throat> fighting with Connect for years over this issue you know it clearly shows where Connect's priorities yeah. are the actions yes yeah, <laughs> exactly so in effect they're more starting to cater to those choice riders as opposed to more the accessibility or the I can't drive and I need yeah need oh, this. they absolutely are yeah um, LifeCell, that's Life Center for Independent Living, they've been kind of pushing this for long before I got involved. They have gone out and they've um, assessed every bus stop that Connect has for ADA accessibility. And they've got percentages. Well, most of the routes are under 15% accessible. You know, some are like 7% accessible, but there's one. It's the Redbird Express, 92% accessible, and that's the one that serves mainly ISU. Mm-hmm. You know, so that kind of shows you where their focus has been. I don't know how many folks that ride the Redbird Express need the ADA accessibility, <clears throat> but 92%, and you've got these other stops that are, you know, under 15%. Yeah, those questions need to be asked. So, so I don't know the answer to this, so pardon me, but could part of that be because ISU probably overall has a, a higher compliance to ADA, being a university, that, that they probably are a lot more accessible, a lot more compliant, so therefore the stops that are on campus or around campus are naturally more accessible than like a trailer court might not have the resource or might not have made it as accessible. Do you well, think that's a function or is it that, something else going on? That could be a little bit of the function, but... To my knowledge, Connect does not go onto private property anymore. So this would all be public infrastructure, and um, so no, I think it's probably more. That's where the focus is. You know, Connect used to have buses go to our hospitals, go to our doctor's offices, and drop people off at the front door. Well, they have moved the bus pickups to the curb. So if you go to like OSF Hospital. You know, when you're in a wheelchair, yep. instead of being dropped off at the front door, now you've got to go clear across the parking lot. So on a day like today when there's snow and slush out there, mm-hmm. you've got to navigate that in a wheelchair. <clears throat> and if you're sitting, just like we are now, and you're trying to go through a parking lot, you know, imagine being in the car. You don't see people that are that low to the ground. You know, so it's more dangerous being that way. Mm-hmm. And if our buses were full, you know, these big, huge buses, if they were full, then I could understand it. But when I only see a few people on these buses, what I question is, are these big buses making it less accessible than having smaller buses that can navigate and go to drop people off? Mm-hmm. You know, because are we building a system for like a Chicago or are we going to build a system for Bloomington normal as we are today? Because the buses aren't going to last forever. Yeah, something that's big part of my overall philosophy I try to bring to bear to these things is the ability for things to evolve to meet needs as they come up um, to uh, it, this phrase comes from strong towns have you heard it before but to place small bets on things instead of really big bets and that I guess I suppose that's my I don't I haven't been following the details of connect transit because you can only follow so many things <laughs> my overall take is it seems like it's not structured to allow things to adapt readily to meet needs. Things seem to be really huge, jarring decisions um, requiring a lot of <laughs> you know, agony on all parties. And a transit system needs to be 
organic enough to meet the changing needs of the community and to adjust. And part of that, I would think, would be more smaller buses as opposed to a fewer number of large buses because then you can try to target specific areas. If there's just five people that regularly need to get from one place to another and you can set out a route to accommodate that with a smaller bus, then you're more agile in that way, I guess. So do you feel like the, as you've seen the working group conversations and how this conversation is going, do you feel encouraged by what's happening? Um, a little. I would say that's a yes and a no. <clears throat> the working group originally was not set out to address the current issues that Connect has. It was more to look to the future. Um, and it's kind of morphed into they need to address the current problems as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, we haven't got the recommendations yet, so I can't say whether I think it was successful or not successful, but it it was great that there were more community members involved. And those are coming here like in a month or something? Um, they just voted on them today. Okay. So I guess they're going to be published tomorrow. Oh, okay. Like so then we'll see We'll see what they have to say. Yeah. I do think it's unfortunate, though, that the issue has gotten as hot as it has yeah. for as long as it has and that the board didn't take care of this long ago. You know, it should not have bubbled up to the town council level. The town council should simply be policy. How much do you need? Tell us what it's for and everything be okay. And if there's problems, then that connect board deals with the problems and fixes them so it doesn't bubble up to the town council. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's always a shame when you see things that there, there's people in need, right? And then something becomes a big political debate or quagmire it never helps it never helps it out right connect transit strikes me as that um the uh bloomington the downtown bloomington task force became that with the catalyst project of moving the library downtown that just became a big ordeal that no one was helped by um you know you could argue the soccer the sports stadium conversation that's going on right now is an example of that and just um yeah, I hope that cooler heads prevail on Connect Transit and we can move forward because there's people who who are in need of it, right? Yeah, I just got a uh, text from somebody that lives over by Bloomington Country Club. This was probably two weeks ago. He sent me the copy of an article from Forbes that talked about giving free bus service to people that need it. He said, why don't, why don't we just do this? <clears throat> you know, so here's somebody that, you know, probably has quite a bit of money because of where they live. Mm-hmm. And I picked up the phone, I called him, and I said, hey, here's the problem. Everybody would probably love to do that, but the bus system has taken service away from the low-income areas, or many of them, and refusing to do it. And you know what? In your neighborhood, there are two bus stops right there behind where you live. And he's like, you got to be kidding. There's a bus stop here? What the blank are they spending all this money on that? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's... And... So you've got the people that don't want to ride the bus, but they want to fund money to help people that think the money's being spent one way. And those that need the bus, they're not getting the bus service. Mm-hmm. So there's this disconnect in what's going on because, you know, the town council should be the policy setter. But there's this whole intergovernmental agreement that hasn't been enforced for years. And now we're kind of dealing with that issue. 
Well, I always like to give a shout out to Bloomington Country Club when it comes out because I they're in our school district, and so uh, Washington Elementary School uh, appreciates your your, <laughs> your contributions. It's a really nice school. Uh, that's where my kids go. So, um, one other thing I wanted to bring up to go back to when you were campaigning, something you said when you were on the podcast just really stuck with me. It was very enlightening to me. And you talked about in your mind what is a what's really an economic engine for a community versus a supplementary business, and so pointing out uh, that retail or um, you know, eateries or things like that are not worth. It's not wise to try to subsidize those because they don't actually generate economic growth. Um, they don't bring in money from the outside. New money. They don't bring in, yeah, that's how you put it. They don't bring in new money. They're they're for serving people who are here. Um, do you uh, do you feel like that's a view that is? How, how do you feel like the overall town council views that particular topic? Or is there kind of a, is there agreement that maybe that might be the way to invest in the future from the town? Or do you still feel like there's um, you know, people who want to, you know, Portillo's is always the easy one to pick on, right? But would, would another Portillo's deal still be on the table? Well, <clears throat> I understand more why the town would favor retail, restaurant over like manufacturing. Okay, the town is funded by sales tax, property tax, you know, those types of taxes. So a restaurant brings in sales tax. Retailers bring in sales tax that helps fund the government. So when the government looks at things, you know, they want to bring in more money. Oh, interesting. Well, a manufacturer, they're making something. They're not the point of sale. So they may make it here. We may get the jobs and things like that. But if it's not retail out of that place, then the sales tax isn't collected there. Um, so the town may look at something and say, well, if we're not getting any tax dollars out of it, you know, why should, why should we support it from a town point of view? Hmm. But the economic development group, they understand the benefit of having the manufacturer in here because the manufacturer is going to hire people. Those people are then going to have disposable income to then go to the restaurants, which then will, you know, generate sales tax to feed the government. So it's more perspective of where you're at Mm -hmm. than are you doing it wrong. It's what I guess you need to look at it from what is... What is the person going to benefit for, or, or the group? Yeah. So you feel like the EDC the understands that? Then is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Now the new EDC, which I really what didn't have a whole lot of contact with 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 the folks at at the EDC before, but the new EDC director, I really I really see eye to eye with him because I think he's going to be a huge asset okay. to the town. Who is that? Patrick. That's Patrick Hoven. Patrick Hoven. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're talking about outside businesses and manufacturing, and that makes me think of Brandt, obviously. Um, was at the Chamber of Commerce Gala last night, and, and Brandt won the award for a best new business or micro business or whatever. And, and they made some comment about, we felt welcomed. It's uh, it, We're from Canada, small plains, small community. This feels like Regina, where we came from. Yeah, where we came from. This feels similar. We're comfortable. We've been very welcomed. And we look forward to bringing more people here. And that stuck out to me of there's your economic engine. It's an outside company coming in. Get bigger. Get get comfortable. Grow here. And, and we need more of those. So more people reading at Portillo's and all the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
I like brand. I don't think people realize just how big of an organization and what all they do. You know, they, we are so blessed to have them there. We're very, very fortunate. So what do you see as being um, next steps for Uptown? Some things I've uh, some things I've seen is clearly whether to build the was it Uptown 2? 2.0. 2.0. 2.0, yeah. So the underpass and to, to fill in the other side. Do you feel like that's still the momentum going that way more more debt to fund those types of projects um we had our priority setting meeting which was here in december uptown 2.0 did not make the cut for something we were going to be doing okay so that was before the budget came out um what happens with that i don't know you know i took that as we're going to be holding back on that for a little while but we'll see we'll see what happens okay yeah, I I thought that the conversation around the underpass was so fascinating. To your point about local, state, and, nat- and national government all being in debt, I always just find it hilarious when it, there's celebration of getting a either a grant from the state or the federal government. It's like, I, so who do you think's paying for that? I don't get it. Like, so it's coming out of a different. It's coming out of a different pocket. It's you different. Pay the federal government out of the left pocket. <laughs> Local government out of your right pocket. Yeah, it's all, I guess it's like someone else's tax dollars if it's from the state, but that it makes me feel even worse, you know. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm highly skeptical of if we can't any project if we can't do it without a state or federal grant. In my opinion, it's highly suspect that that it's viable, right? Um, and it, it just seems so unwise to, to do. And the fact that there's other communities around Illinois who are using my state tax dollars for a grant and celebrating there, it, it, it's just a weird, it's a weird system we've got set up here in Illinois. Um, and I guess all around the country. Yeah. Those types of things. Now Springfield is doing a bunch of underpasses. Oh, they are? Okay. Yeah. So they're doing underpasses. They've got an overpass at their um, train station. Um, but a lot of that's being funded by outside the community. I mean, it's still tax dollars, mm-hmm. but yeah, we will have underpasses to go look at here before too long. Whenever, whenever they're done, we can see what an underpass would look like and what overpasses would look yeah. like. I mean, just the idea of an underpass there, I'd love it. I mean, I, I ride my bike there. I, I miss being able to cross at that location. It is inconvenient. So, I mean, I, the, the idea I'm very enthusiastic about, it's just priorities, right? Yeah, 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 because yeah. it's all going to cost taxpayer money. Yeah. What uh, I don't think a lot of people realize is, say, for $1,000 for the government to spend, <clears throat> you know, they get a lot of their money from sales tax. So how much economic activity has to cross that cashier's desk in order for the town to get $1,000? Well, it's $26,666 okay. has to cross that cashier's desk in order for the town just to get $1,000. So if we're going to spend ten grand. You know that cashier had to have two, <laughs> almost, a quarter million. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, over over a quarter million dollars of stuff. Yeah. Across. It's interesting math. Yeah, I I thought about that. I thought that was a valid point in the whole cannabis discussion too. When people are talking about taxing it, it's you know, well, well yeah, I mean, but it's what three percent. So how much of this do we think is going to be sold here, and how much is that three percent really going to fund it? 
the idea it's going to be some massive windfall, it'll help. I mean, it, to me, it was a no-brainer that it should be taxed because we're going to be on the hook for any downstream consequences of it. So we should be able to recoup some, you know, something to pay for that. Um, but uh, you know, what it reminded me of, I, I just. I just sold something recently for forty dollars, and I, uh, you know, I, I get a, a check every two weeks from my job, but I just sort of ignore that because that goes to pay bills. But like, I sold something for forty dollars. It's like, <laughs> oh man, like, what could I do with these forty dollars? I could invest it. I could to go out to dinner. I could, you know, use it to save up for my new phone. And I'm like, it, it's forty dollars, man. Like, calm down. <laughs> like, it's just a little bit of extra money. It's not. It's not going to be that big of a deal. So. Um, so yeah, but I mean, it looks. I guess on the cannabis front, it does look fairly likely that Normal would get one with the um, the current medical place going, right? Yeah, and there's there's other places in town that they could sell marijuana. You know, there's mm-hmm. only so many licenses, but it's not just that one medical location. Yeah, remind me when is that being it. decided? When um, it's already been decided. The state allowed marijuana to be sold here um, January 1st. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't heard, know. Heard, had heard that part. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know as far as the uh, distribution or the... Uh, the uh, business uh, has to decide where they want to set up shop you okay. know, or if they want to do it, and that's totally up to the business. The town's you know out of that now. Yeah. You okay with the way that all ended up for the town? Um, I, I can't remember a, how you voted on it. Um, well, I voted against it, but the reason I voted against it was not as much a moral issue because the state made marijuana legal, okay? I voted against it because I wanted to understand more the economics of it. Are we, by allowing it to be sold in normal, going to be having more of an expense by all the other costs mm-hmm. than what will we would then, then the revenue we're going to be bringing in? You know, are we going to be spending $12 to make 5 yeah, type of thing. So basically the same point I was making. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just the economics, not the moral, because the moral decision was made by someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would I would say too, the moral decision is made by the people themselves who decide whether to do it or not. And I don't, I don't know that it's a, it's not the government's job to make that decision for people. Sim- so. Similar to smoking, similar yeah. to drinking. Smoking yeah. and alcohol, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It has been interesting though now that it's. Legal people still sort of like are used to talking about it in hushed tones. So I've I've met people who will now like say that they do it, and it's like well, this is like this is equivalent to you telling me that you drink beer. You know, like it's fine, but still people are like embarrassed about it. My wife and I were just talking about that exact <laughs> same thing last night. Of yeah, because the stigma for so long and you know illegal that now how long will that go forward until it's oh yeah that's normal that, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, well there's still lots of issues to work out because. Say for things federally, it's it's illegal. So if you've got mm-hmm. like a, like a CDL driver's license and you're driving a truck, you follow federal laws, and you know there's all these issues that are going to have to be worked out. And I don't know the answer. It's just there's yeah. a lot there's a lot to work out. I'm I'm glad with my boys. They're about getting into the age where they're gonna you know they're be entering junior high soon and high school where that kind of stuff they're gonna be exposed to it. And I'm glad I can have a more open conversation with them now. If um, you know, it's not just like, well, it's illegal, and if you do it, then you're gonna get in trouble. I mean, it still is illegal for them, but the fact that it's like, the fact that it's a less taboo topic to raise, I guess, I'm I'm happy for that. Well, we'll see how it goes. Well, uh, well, we did an hour. That went quickly. Um, 
I two questions that I always ask guests at the end. Um, one is just if people want to um, get a hold of you or um, hear more from you, where they can do that. And then second, catching you off guard with this one a little bit, but is there the the tagline of Pod BN is people doing big things in Bloomington normal? And so, in if you're aware of someone who you feel like doing a big important thing that doesn't get a lot of attention or isn't getting a lot of attention or an event coming up, something you want to mention along those lines, we can give them someone a shout out in that way. So, oh, that's awesome. Yes, I would do. So, um, so yeah. So how can people get a hold of you? So first, get a hold of me, or to get a hold of me, you can call me three zero nine two four two two four nine five. That's my cell phone. Um, you can email me my town council email address, which will be foiled. Is S Nord at normal dot org, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and then Facebook's Nord for Normal, and right? Facebook Nord for Normal. All right. Um, and as far as giving a shout out, yes, there's um, God's Decision Outright Ministries or Outreach Ministries, which is in Bloomington in the old um, shops of or the outlet mall building. So they've got two programs that they do, which I want the community to really know about. They're kids programs. One is an anti-bullying program that they do. It's called Hugs for Kids. Um, And they will go into places and set up events simply to give hugs to kids and to kind of help combat like youth suicide and anti-bullying efforts so they know that there's an adult they can go talk to you know that will help them Mm -hmm. through that the other thing that they do is they will it's a kind of get back on track program so if you've got a youth that has kind of drifted off the tracks and they need some help getting coached back on they will help with that so it's pastor rochelle at God's Decision Outreach Ministries. Okay. And and I'll put a link to their um, their website and how to or how to contact them. I'll put that in the show notes here so people can go and learn more about that. Yeah, because as parents, I mean, you guys probably don't even know that this exists, but they're doing this to help your kids as well. Yeah. You know, so as a parent, I didn't realize yeah, it, but right. I appreciate them even more because they're doing that. Uh, right. Well, it's very important right now with things changing so much. Um, I, as a parent, I'm not sure I'm equipped to be able to understand all the social dynamics with social media these days with kids and how, how that all works out. So um, having more support for that sounds pretty valuable. Yes, yes. Her congregation is helping a lot of people. Oh, well, great. Well, thanks a lot for coming and stopping in. Um, always like talking to you. Appreciate Good. your time. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank, thank you, guys. And thanks, Jeremy, for uh, for seven as well. Pinch hitting. Appreciate <laughs> it. Last thing I want to do is thank uh, Normal Gadgets and Play Normal Esports. Normal Gadgets uh, fixes a lot of cell phones. Best deal in town for getting your cra- cracked screen, um, batteries not charging well, cables broken, something like that. Bring it on here. The staff really knows what they're doing. I've had them fix my phone before, and they did an excellent job. Uh, but there's all kinds of other things, too. Basically, if it's something you plug into the wall, bring it on in here and um, see if they can help you fix it. Play Normal Esports and normal gadgets and uh, I think we're done good